Hey, everybody, we're live. <laughs> What's up, Ash? Uh, not much, you know, just still alive, still here. Got a smile on my face. Man, I've had some of the most stressful days of the last few years recently. And, I, and then, you know, I certainly experience it like everybody else. And man, resting heart rate, elevated HRV in the tank. Sleep has been minimal and coffee consumption has been doubled. Let's, I want to talk about some of this, though. I want to talk I, about it. I think I, you know, these times need to be acknowledged. I'm, I'm rationalizing to myself that sometimes in life, you got to put the fucking gas pedal to the floor. And is it the best way to live? No. But listen, if you want to get through the hard times, you know, when things get hard, you don't pull back. You don't slow down. And then I could be wrong. And I'm sure there's people out there who are going to say, hey, you know what? You need to be doing better at this, at these things. Sorry, I'm going to, my microphone was far away from me. But I really think it, it's okay. I really think there needs to be time for, you know, ultimately a, a summer and a winter, right? A winter time is a time for recovery and, and regeneration and calm parasympathetic activity. And, and right now it's like, man, it, it's, it's a season of life. And I don't think it's going to last forever. And I think everyone just needs to acknowledge you need to do what you need to do right now to get through it. If you can't meditate every day, if you can't train every day, if you can't breathe every day, okay, great. Get back on it as quickly as you can. Because if there's other shit that takes priority, like being able to exist, being able to live, being able to keep food on the table for your family and for your employees and for whomever, that shit needs to take priority. And now, that's the reality I've been living lately, to be honest. I mean, like, there's a, I mean, I'm just maybe embellishing a little bit, but I feel like a lot of people depend on me. So I take a lot on my shoulders and I, I do a lot of shit that maybe I shouldn't always be doing and just get it done. I'm the type of guy who goes, man, just give it to me. Let's go. I'll, t I'll take it on my back. Everybody jump on. Let's go. And that, I, I just internalize it, right? And my stress is, you know, that low level anxiety that's kind of always in the background. And I'm very good at turning it off. Thank goodness. I've developed a skill set with meditation and breathing and exercise. I'm very good at turning it off. I'm still sleeping, not sleeping a lot because I'm staying up till one and two in the morning doing my, doing my work. But I'm so excited for what's going to come at the end of this sprint, right? It's like the ascension of the mountain and it's the hardest part. And when you get to the top, you get to enjoy the view, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I'd love for you to talk more about specifically the stuff that you're working on and the stress that you're going through, because I think it is helpful for people. But I think that one of the things you talk about a lot and a lot of other smart people talk about is stress obviously can work for you to a certain extent and sure. being too busy sometimes is necessary. All um, the time. About, yeah. Not but all it's time. about how you, where you're directing it and is this busy work stuff that you feel is continuing to pile up and maybe not something that's that's helpful or is it stuff that you know is leading directly into something that's going to benefit you and the people you care about. So yeah. that's really, I think, what you got to keep in mind at the end of the day when you're stressed out and drinking too much coffee. Hi, Rebecca. Yeah. So before we go on to that, tell me about you. Because I said, something, yeah. I said something before we got on the call and I won't acknowledge it live, but, but what's going on? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm just, I'm starting to kind of hit, hit a, a frustration point. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm still dealing with the situation that we're in pretty well in that I really haven't changed the way that I work or operate or communicate with the world that much, but it's starting to wear on me. Like we're starting to get into the some warmer summer months, not me personally, because I live in Ontario. So it's everywhere else in the world. Yeah. yeah. Like it's starting to just kind of wear on me every day a little bit more, the things that we're missing, the opportunities that we're missing, the opportunities to come together and be together and learn and have fun and enjoy life and the world and all of that 
stuff is is happening. And and I think one of the things I want to address too, you know, is two people who work hard and who are busy and who are very motivated people that it seems like there's two types of people, like two major situations with people who are working these days or stuck at home, people who are bored and floundering from that boredom and don't know where to direct their energy or their attention. And then there are people who are busy, but are starting to just, and this is the category that I fall into. I'm just starting to be like, you know, I can't pretend to be enthusiastic about going down to my gym and like doing fucking workouts like by myself at home like it sucks like I'm still gonna do it because I, I understand the value and it's part of my discipline part of my daily behavior but I can't keep pretending that this is fucking awesome because it's not you know it sucks yeah, yeah I, I think everything in life has an opportunity to, to have perspective right and I think you could certainly find the joy in it not that you, you seem like a person who doesn't want to but you could certainly find the opportunity that exists right now and that's what I'm doing is like I see this opportunity to have so much time by myself and like, okay, how do we take this potentially stressful, undesirable situation and turn it into something that's awesome? And so you're just shifting your perspective. And I think this is this is part of the, the message that I teach in the world. It's like, we're all going to have struggles. We're all going to have shitty times, or at least what we'd have previously perceived as being shitty times. But we can very easily go, okay, well, what is there in this exact moment to be grateful for, right? Change. I literally wrote a document about this yesterday. It's like, Every situation, and Tony Robbins taught me this originally in 2007, he said every situation, maybe it was Jim Rohn, has an opportunity in it to be grateful, right? You just start looking at the right things. So when I wake up in the morning, it's really as simple as I'm so grateful that I'm awake, right? I'm so grateful that my eyes open. I'm so grateful for my heart. I'm so grateful for my mind. I'm so grateful for my legs. You're so grateful you get to go there. You have a gym in your house? Like, that's fucking awesome. How many people in the world wouldn't be grateful for that? You get to train. You get to be fit. You get to be healthy. You get to not be sick. Right. And you shift that perspective and go, all these things I'm doing for myself are so fucking awesome. I'm going to celebrate me today. Yay, me. I'm awesome. You know, this is this is fantastic. So great deflection. Great deflection, Ben, from the stress that you (laughs) know. I'll talk about my stress because I'm in my stress is not something I can remove. My stress is something that's me trying to, to do more than I have time for in the day. Like. That's okay, well, that, that in itself, that's an unsolvable issue. Like, what you would do to move forward would be to determine, like, what are the things I actually have to do, and can I let go of the things that are the 25th hour of the day? It's that I not can't. letting go. It's, it's hiring and delegating, right? So that's what's necessary in my business right now is I need to bring on good people. And the challenge is I don't have time to onboard, right? So I need to bring on people with very good skill sets. Now I don't have the time to find people with very, very good skill sets. So that's what I'm running into. So ultimately, I probably need to go out and find a headhunter or HR person and go like, hey, find me these three job descriptions. And that's kind of what I'm sitting in right now is like, I need these people and I just haven't taken action to do it. So rather than not have it done, I'm doing it myself and do it. And, and the shit I should be doing, I'm not sometimes. And the stuff that I maybe shouldn't be doing, I'm getting done. And, and or it's just this ebb and flow between like things that need to be done and are urgent. I think I think another thing to consider about this conversation, though, is that the struggle and the frustration and the positivity can exist in the same world. Like, no, you can't whine and complain and sort of be grateful in the same breath. But I think it's important for people to understand because you've you've expressed this yourself, like we're all kind of having our good days and our bad days, that you can acknowledge that the situation is less than ideal and still do your fucking job, do your work, do the things well, that you're supposed to do. Sure. There's doing it to yourself. And then there's like, I mean, psychologically doing it to yourself, stressing yourself out over something that isn't stressful versus 
doing things that are not healthy to keep your body going, like me drinking too much coffee, not sleeping, and living on nootropics for the last week is not is not healthy, right? I know that, but it's not me going being having a pity party over the fact right. that it's, I have a sale in my fucking house, right? Like that that's a very different thing. Like I'm physiologically doing damage to myself on a day to day basis by yeah. by literally sleeping four hours a night and you know drinking four cups of coffee a day or more, but at the end of the day, it's not a victim mentality. It's like, I'm just doing what the fuck I need to do to get it done. Right. It's and whether or not it's correct or not, I'm not going to say, like, I, I don't know, but that's what the way I approach things is rather than going, okay, everything needs to stop. I'm going to just going to go over here and be stressed. I'm like, well, I just fucking won't sleep until it's all done. <laughs> right. And when it's done, I'm going to, I'm going to relax and take a vacation. You celebrate, you, you reward yourself. But until then, it's like, hey, man, let's just get it done, figure out what needs to happen. And that's always been my attitude. And, and whether it's the thing that puts me in my grave or not, I don't know. But that's that's the way I've always uh, handled things. So I think there's there's something to be garnered there, right? It's like, you know, I'm not saying the way I do it is correct. But it's certainly not self-imposed. Maybe it is self-imposed, but certainly not self-imposed. You know, me creating stress in my life because of me mm. not being able to change something. Mm. You got a lot of questions. It's funny that you talk about this sort of ODing on caffeine the last couple of days because you've gotten a lot of questions from people about how much caffeine is too much caffeine. So I feel like maybe a lot of people are supplementing a little extra with coffee. So I, I have a hack. I think, I think for me, caffeine, because I'm fast processor, a fast detoxifier of caffeine, caffeine for me is very interesting. I can, eat, I can drink it late at night and I don't feel tremendously different. So I think a lot of it's placebo. So I've actually switched a lot to like half decaf or like really diluting the coffee. So I make it myself and I really dilute it and I put a bunch of other stuff in there, MCT, collagen, lion's mane. And I just drink more of it. So I don't know that I'm actually consuming that much caffeine. If I had to guess, I'd probably say 500 milligrams a day, which is a lot, but not huge. So again. Yeah, I have the exact same thing. I just have I just have decaf iced coffee in my fridge as well. So I have a regular coffee in the morning. And then when I want to constantly drink it throughout the rest of the day, I'm just drinking decaf. I mean, people know how much caffeine is too much caffeine. Are you tweaking out and like crawling out of your skin? You've had too much caffeine. But everyone's different, right? Like everyone yeah. has different different kind of tolerance amounts. Now, that being said, I'm also doing things what I call on the back end to support my brain, to support my nervous system. I'm making sure I'm getting all those things in to ultimately keep my heart rate down and keep my brain focused because you take too much stimulant obviously your brain is going to start to go fast you're not going to be focused and you're, you're burning through the substrate in your brain so you know supplements like alpha gpc are massive i take lion's mane every day i take bacopa every day i've been taking ginkgo i've been taking acetylcholine i've been taking a bunch of things that are just kind of natural substrate that your brain and body needs to thrive right so when you're when you're kind of pushing the gas pedal further you got to change the engine once in a while. You got you to you tune up the engine, right? Or you got to change the oil once in a while. Mm -hmm. So you're just putting in those back end substrates, lots of B vitamins, lots of, of healthy nutrients, lots of good fats, right? So you know that your brain's burning through all this stuff. A really good supplement right now that I don't have would be ketones. Like if I had ketones, it'd be a really great thing to put into my brain to help me kind of upregulate that ability to support the brain's detoxification, the brain's energy production, right? All those things are, are necessary things. And, and again, sleep is the most important. And I definitely have been neglecting sleep. So honestly, when my kids go to bed, which is like nine, I'm up for another three or four hours doing work because I have to be, or I never have to be because I, I want to be right. Because I want to do great things and I want to help more people. And it's kind of what I've taken on myself, but anyways, not really the point of this, this podcast. I didn't want to kind of go down and, and go down the stress route, but I think people may be interested in what's going on, but I also want to provide tremendous value. Do you have a question? I heard that Florida is starting to like open back up again soon. What do you know about that? 
I heard May 1st that we're going to start doing like a slow reopen, which is very strange because, you know, people I talk to in Canada, like you tell me if I'm wrong on this, is like apparently the grocery stores are like massively lined up and, and everyone's still like panicking, quarantine. I talked to somebody in Australia this morning. You said they're, they're going to keep the country border closed for 12 months. I was like, fuck, that's insane. I don't know. Like that again, that's speculative, but that's what I've heard. Yeah. So again, who knows? But it definitely seems like that the U.S. is loosening up or at least Florida is loosening up. So I don't know. And to be honest, it's kind of bittersweet. I've really kind of been enjoying my time to myself. Like, I, you know, it's funny. I, I joke that I manifested this. So every time there's a holiday, like if it's like Christmas or Easter or whatever, like holiday where everyone stays home, Thanksgiving, it's my favorite day of the year to not be, to be out because I'm like, oh my God, if the world was just always like this, like everything's closed. There's nobody on the road. There's no cars. And I'll go out like six to seven in the morning. There's nobody there. I'm like, God, this is the best. I wish it was always like this. So secretly, I think I manifested this, but it's, I like it. Like I like having nobody in the road. I like having no cars. I like having no one in the gym. It's fucking amazing. So I'm swearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. That's nothing new. We like to swear on this podcast. So we've got someone here saying Ireland is looking at slow opening from May 5th. I mean, it does seem like from country to country, it's completely different and people are having different experiences from what I can see in Ontario, at least it's, you know, Canadians are pretty like rule following reasonable compliant people. So it seems like they're mostly listening to what people are telling them to do. I haven't seen like a lot of lines. I haven't seen a lot of chaos. I haven't seen a lot of things being sold out. People are just kind of like hunkered down and just doing what they're told from what I can see, but I haven't heard anything one way or the other about like trying to open stuff up anytime soon. So I don't know. It is what it is. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing anyways. I'll probably end up living my own quarantine life for the next few months until I'm done with all these courses and stuff that I'm doing. I probably have six months of this ahead of me, to be honest. Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice because, you know, there's there's the coaching platform I'm developing. There's the mentorship that I'm doing. The mentorship and, and the, the personal training certification are parallels. Certification is just like, here's the information, do it yourself. The mentorship's like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this one-to-one because I want to have people that are amazing at this who can ultimately become the vehicles for this information but so one thing i want to ask everybody in this group actually anybody's on this call go ahead and post right now in the comments where you're from and I'm curious so we can maybe chat about where everyone's from at different points of the world and talk about how things may be different there so i'd love to hear where kind of everybody's coming at us from someone asked about brian mckenzie talks about the value of nasal breathing guys i talk about this every single podcast yeah close your mouth tape it shut don't use it except to eat don't even speak until until you learn how to nasal breathe. And that's honest. Like you should not be breathing through your mouth when you're training, except when you're in, you know, what we'll call fifth gear, right? When you're hammering and you need to open your mouth. Awesome. So guys, also I'll mention, if you haven't been on one of these calls before, if you go ahead and, and give to so the, the platform we use is called StreamYard. If you give StreamYard permission, we can actually see your name. So if we don't, we just see what's, what says Facebook user, right? So we mm-hmm. see this, we see Facebook user. So we'd love to see your name so we can talk to you guys directly. Yeah. Can I ask just a very general kind of fun question? Because I like I like Ben's rants that come out of questions like this. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah it's not. I mean, it's you've heard it before, but I just I don't know why. I just really want to ask this one. Somebody on Instagram asked you what you think, in your opinion, is the most common bad advice that is frequently given out for both nutrition and exercise. So stuff that like a lot of people in the fitness world would take for granted as common knowledge, but that you think is like terrible advice that you hear a lot. Something came to mind. I'm not going to say it because it depends where someone is in their continuum, right? Like an, an example being if someone's at a low level beginner and you say, Hey man, hit your macros every day. That's really good advice. If someone's a high level athlete or someone looking to get great results, it's terrible advice. 
and so it kind of depends where people are in, in their continuum. So if someone is in their first two or three months of training saying, hey, just go in and work hard, that's a really good piece of advice. To tell someone who's been training longer than three to five years, just go in and work hard is stupid, right? And so it kind of depends where people are in the journey a lot. I mean, those are really kind of good examples of what I think are, are overgeneralized, overused statements. Work hard or just hit your macros. Like it, it doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. If it was, everyone, I mean, it would be, everyone yeah. would be in shape, right? Ultimately, it's not that simple. That's the truth. Yeah, it's not. And it depends on where you are, where you're coming from, what your goal is, what your stress looks like, what your training looks like, what your sleep looks like. It all has to impact your ability to make a decision on what you should do right now. And that's what we teach. So we had a couple of good questions come in and I want to talk a little bit about this. I want to know your, everyone on this call, I want to know your opinion on what I will call health centered muscle building. So most coaches out there, and I talk about this often, but I want to just throw it out there. And, and I don't want to generalize, but it seems like, and maybe in the past, most coaches out there, when you go hire them for coaching, it's, hey, here's a nutrition plan. Here's a workout. Go. Useful? Maybe. 5% of people are shown to succeed and follow through. Everyone else fails at some point, or they'll succeed and then reverse back. Why? You know, there's, there's this behavior change that's necessary that nobody talks about. But I think if you put health as a preceding requirement, so let's look at what's not optimized in your body. And let's first fill in all the holes and the gaps. And then we can bring your body up to this optimized level. And then and only then does it make sense that I can optimize performance. Because if I don't, if I'm missing something in your body, or if your inflammation is up, or if your gut health is not right, or if your brain is inflamed, or if you're not sleeping well, there's a reason for all those things. So let's look at all of the, the foundational requirements, the foundational necessities to optimize your health. And guess what happens to your ability to build muscle? It increases. It gets better. So there's three things, and I've said this before on the podcast. There's, I'm going to go into multiple categories here, but there's three things that I want everyone to be training on a, on a consistent basis. You need to be training strength and skill, and you could separate those two things. You know, Every exercise has its skill, and your ability to, to produce force, produce movement over a period of space is the ability to produce strength, right? So there's the skill and strength. Then there's mobility and stability. And you should be training this all the time. So there's a there's a big difference between mobility and flexibility. I want everyone to acknowledge that. Mobility and stability are two things that go together. My ability to get into a range and then my ability to stabilize and not move in that range. So the, step, the separation there between strength and stability. Strength is the ability to move an object through space. Stability is the ability to not move an object or not move your body. So we've got strength and skill, which you can bunch together or you could break them apart. And then you've got stability and mobility, which is kind of the second pillar. And the third one is going to be aerobic fitness. And those three things that I think everyone needs as a foundation of an optimal physique or an optimal body before you can start laying on top of that, right? So here's an example. Is that the right order? Is that the... Well, there's, no, there's no order. There's no order. Those, like, those three... It would be the opposite. If you, if you picked an order, if you wanted to have an order, there's no order. Those are just three things you need there. Almost think of it like a triangle or a Venn diagram. There's no yeah. order. They just all need to be there. Again, I, I can't, I, I would say, you know, maybe some people would say you need aerobic fitness first. I don't think that's true. Like I think it, it all, they all need to go together. So aerobic fitness is absolutely a requirement to improve recovery and muscle building and recovery between workouts, recovery between sets. So we need high level aerobic fitness. It doesn't have to be accessible. You don't have to be a marathon runner, but you have to have a significant or a adequate VO2 max. 
That's important. So everybody should be training that at least three times a week. And that can be done with some high intensity HIIT, H-I-I-T. Also, what people don't think talk about a lot is low intensity interval training. And I think that's worth chatting about. And then there's just basic low level aerobic steady state stuff. And I think that has utility. But what I suggest for most people now, the benefit there is one, you're improving your body's ability to regenerate ATP. But two, you're also improving your body's ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. So the gentleman who asked about breathing and nasal breathing, the reason we nasal breathe is to improve the efficiency with which we exchange oxygen in the environment, right? So if you're breathing in through your mouth, the efficiency is very, very poor because the oxygen comes up here into the top of the lungs. There's no blood to exchange oxygen with the environment, less blood. So the exchange rate is very, very poor. There's a calculation, but I forget. But if you breathe down into your diaphragm and down into your lower abdomen, there's a lot more blood that's pooled there that can exchange air with the environment much more efficiently. So you pull a lot more oxygen out. So therefore you decrease the necessary rate of breathing and then your body starts to become better and better and better at tolerating carbon dioxide. I talk about this a lot, but I'm going to just give it one more time for anyone who hasn't heard it. It's really, really essential to human optimization and performance to, to increase your ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. Why? Carbon dioxide is a byproduct of energy production, right? We produce carbon dioxide and hydrogen as a byproduct of energy production. Hydrogen is acidic. So the more carbon dioxide you produce, the more hydrogen you're going to produce. So if you're somebody who's got a low tolerance to carbon dioxide, your carbon dioxide goes up, your, your blood's pH starts to go down a little bit because the hydrogen ions are making it become more acidic. Your body starts producing bicarbonate to buffer it. This is maybe way too complicated. But point being, your ability to tolerate carbon dioxide is absolutely massive in your ability to perform at a high level in the gym, your ability to, to breathe calmly and calm down your mind. So if you start producing a little bit of acid and all of a sudden your heart has to start racing really fast because it has to get rid of the CO2 because you can't tolerate it, you're going to have anxiety all the time. You're going to have a racing heart. You're going to have a fast breathing rate, right? So you have to improve your body's ability to tolerate carbon dioxide. And again, I don't want to get too deep into that. This is Brian McKenzie and Patrick McEwen. This is their information. They're, they're brilliant at this. I'm just applying it to the meathead community and then passing it on to those guys because I don't, I don't want – like I love this and I teach it too. But if you guys want to dive deep, go there. If not, just take my word for it and start implementing aerobic training and breath holds. So and what I was going to say. That you did. You, you've done podcasts with these guys. We can put in the show notes. So Brian's been on once. Patrick's been on twice. And so the first step is aerobic fitness. Just do it. Breathe through your nose the whole time. And then, you know, we can start introducing new levels of complexity. So all of my clients that come into my world get a walking program every day. I need you to walk. 30 minutes, 60 minutes, once a day, twice a day, fine. Now, if I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's easy, it's for all people. Okay, well, let's introduce a breathing cadence. Let's start with a four, four box breath while you're walking. See how that goes. What that means is four in, four hold, four out, four hold. Is that easy? Okay, well, let's introduce a different cadence that allows you to start extending the exhalation or start extending the inhalation and just starting manipulating the amount of CO2. So imagine if I'm walking and walking at a good pace and I start introducing a breath hold at the end of my exhale, here's all the way up, hold. Your body's accumulating CO2 because you're walking and you're producing energy. And now, so as you accumulate CO2, your body's going to want to gasp. It's going to want to breathe, but you're going to hold it. And you're going you're to withstand it. And eventually your body's going to upregulate the, the buffering system. It's going to be better at buffering carbon dioxide. Why does that matter? Because now when I start to walk, I can walk harder. I can start to run and I don't have to breathe heavy. My body's really good at buffering that CO2. My body, sorry, buffering that acid, that hydrogen. Right. So that's it's really, really important for you guys to acknowledge the necessity there. So coming back and just wrapping this up, the three things, aerobic fitness and carbon dioxide tolerance, mobility and stability and strength and skill.
these are things we need to be working on every single week for sure. Okay. So this is the foundation. So if you're missing one of those guys right now, I don't give a shit if you're a power lifter or a strong man, like if you're not, you're missing human optimization. It's not goal specific. This is human specific. Mm-hmm. And, and there's many more levels of it, but this is the foundation. Is the nasal breathing sort of tempoed walking, is that part of the low intensity interval stuff that you talked about? No. Can you get into that? Sure. Okay. Low intensity interval is this, this, the way I view it is it's really learning how to control your autonomic response, right? So let's say I go into an all out sprint, a 10 out of 10 sprint, and I try to maintain that for 20 to 30 seconds. Your heart rate's going to be up around 80 or 90% of your max. So at that point, you're completely a victim to what your, your internal environment. There's no like, I'm going to try to control my heart rate at that point. You're just trying to survive. So what low intensity does is, is it allows you to stay in the zone where you're pushing hard. You're getting your heart rate up to 150, 145 beats per minute. So you're getting it to a good place. So you're doing that for like 45 to 50 seconds or 60 seconds. And then immediately consciously trying to get your heart rate back down. Right. So we're going to try to go from 145, 150, and then bring it down to so we can get it down to 110 or 100, like in that in in a short amount of time. So low intensity interval could be maybe I'm just doing 10 or 15 seconds of a sprint, or maybe I'm doing a little bit longer. But say it's let's say I do a 15 second sprint matched with a 45 second recovery. So it's 60 second blocks. Mm-hmm. 15 second sprint, 45 second all out. I don't want to sprint all out. I just want to sprint hard enough to get my heart rate up to about 145, 150. So I'm just the bottom end of my anaerobic threshold still kind of staying in that aerobic system, right? So once your body switches anaerobic, you're going to have to breathe through your mouth. You're going to have to start getting additional oxygen. You're going into oxygen debt. So we want to stay just under that. And so you're getting the heart rate up without going into like overwhelm and and stress and, and gasping. And then consciously, as soon as that's done, you're switching into what can I do right now to get my heart rate back down, my breathing rate back down as fast as I can. So we're training this conscious ability to manipulate the autonomic nervous system. I think this is a superpower. So when we get stressed, when we get anxious, when we get into high level exercise in our weight training, like heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, those things that are just gassing you. Well, imagine being able to calm yourself down in two breaths, right? Yeah, I'm done that set, I'm gassed, and then I stop and boom, I'm, I'm back down to normal because I've gained control of my autonomic response. So now you're, instead of staying in that high aroused state, your body's coming out. This is something I teach the powerlifters. Like when you're going to a powerlifting meet, you got nine lifts in a day spaced over 10 hours, but you don't want to stay in that high sympathetic place all day because your body's ripping through energy. You want to get out of it as quickly as you can. So learning how to control that autonomic response to get up, one big breath in, one big breath out, and that, that heart rate should, should swing. We should have control over that. And I think that's what low-intensity cardio trains is it allows us to not go into this high amount of panic state, which nobody's going to be able to control your heart rate there. Your brain's just trying to survive. We get a high enough intensity that, hey, now I can take conscious control and turn it back down. I think everyone should try that. I do it before every single workout. Lately, I've been doing not a huge amount of time, five to 10 minutes, where I'm going hard for 15 to 20 seconds. And then the other end of that minute, whether it's 35, 40, 45 seconds, however long I did, I'm really just constantly trying to bring the heart rate back down and, and, or, and the breathing rate back down. And there's no breathing through my mouth, not allowed. So you tape your mouth, whatever you want to do, but you just don't breathe through your mouth. And, and learning to kind of control your diaphragm makes the diaphragm stronger. The diaphragm is a muscle. If your diaphragm doesn't get exercised because you're breathing in your chest, the diaphragm gets weak. You start getting back pain. You start getting tight hips. This is all, it's all correlated. Mm-hmm. Do you want to answer some questions from folks? 
Yes. Before we do, we had one question that came in. Somebody asked about what I think about the Aura's ability, the Aura Ring, and its ability to measure activity. I thought that was very relevant. So I love the Aura Ring. I disclose this all the time. I'm invested in the company. I love the company. I don't think their activity monitors is something you should you should use as gospel. I don't think it's going to be perfectly accurate. Like, hey, you burn exactly this many calories and you take this many steps. It's not going to be 100% accurate. But what it probably is, is consistent, right? So is it 100% accurate? No. Is it consistent? Probably. So if you know, you know, today I took 10,000 steps and tomorrow I took 15,000 steps, you could probably make a pretty good assessment to say, hey, I did probably 50% more activity. What, what was the quality of activity? I don't know. But you did a little bit more activity. How much do you base that on? Or what do you base that? What do you base on that? I don't know. But I think it's a useful thing to have rather than just completely guessing and going, oh, I think I did a lot today. It allows you to objectify it a little bit. So I suggest all of my clients get an ordering. And we have a $50 discount. If you guys are interested, you can drop us a note in the live or, or I think it's just go to the website and actually put it in the show notes, show notes as well. But yeah, it's an amazing tool. It looks cool. I almost always wear it. And it just allows you to objectify how you slept. And I think it's great. Cool. While you're looking through all these questions, first of all, shout out to how many people are in Ontario. That's awesome. And while you're looking at, at questions, speaking for Ontarians, I don't know if that's the right word. Where can we, because you're Canadian too, where can we order some good supplements online? Because I can't get out to get some of this stuff. Like some of the supplements you were talking about earlier, there's a couple things I want to pick up. I don't know what a good trusted site is in Canada. Do you have any insight? Yeah. So there's, there would be two that I would say would be, oh, there's probably a bunch that are, that are Canada. Fortunately for you guys in Canada is actually super high quality. The, the requirements to go through there are higher. Yeah. So there's three companies, none of which I have any affiliation with. ATP lab is always a great one. I, lo I love ATP and you guys know I worked with ATP for a while. No issue there at all. I think they're wonderful. Great quality products, highly tested. Some of their formulations are remain, leave something to be desired, but the quality of the ingredients is great. There is also AOR. I love AOR. AOR is basically just vitamins and, and, and very simple stuff, very high quality products. And then there's designs for health, which I am doing some stuff with. Good quality products, very reputable, more of like a practitioner grade line. So I don't know if you could just get it online. If anyone wants to get some stuff, drop me an email. I could probably get you an account made. And again, don't do it if you want to buy like two or three bottles. But if, you, if you're a trainer or something you want to buy for other people, I, I would do that. And like, Getting an account made, it'll save you 20% or something like that, which is useful as well. Okay, awesome. Thank you. I need to do an order, so. Yeah. All right. Do you want to look at some questions here in the lineup? You have to post them. I can't do it, but see if there's ones that aren't super specific. What about this bone broth one? I know you get a lot of bone broth from Belcampo, right? Christian's asking about the best bone broth. I use Belcampo. So there's a company locally, actually, it's called Fresh Bites. If anyone's in Tampa, somebody asked me this question. Where do you get your bone broth in Tampa? There's a business called Fresh Bites, and it's the, they make the best bone broth. It's like lamb. Mm. Bones, I think they just cook the whole lamb, and then you take the broth out. It's so, so good. This is amazing. Yes. Actually, I think when you were here, I bought one for you, but for whatever reason, I didn't see you or didn't get it for you. I did try to take care of your, your bone broth. <laughs> lamb is the, one of the most delicious animals to eat, and I just made my own bone broth with – I bought buffalo marrow bones, so we had some just roasted buffalo marrow and then turned the bones into broth. And they really do – all the like different animal bones do actually have – like they, they taste different. But this, this person's asking about powder. I've never really used any bone broth powder. Like it depends on where you are in the world, but there's a ton of really good – 
pre-made, preservative-free bone broths that you can buy to chip around. Make your own, man. Just make your own. Get a crock pot, put put some spice. I don't even put spice in mine usually, to be honest. They just make it and it tastes amazing. Leave them there for 12 to 24 hours and it's delicious. Like you really can't mess it up. Yeah, one thing I didn't know that they do is you can use the bones multiple times. I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah. like apparently you can use the bones two or three times and and you'll still get good broth that I had no idea. Yeah, and you'll know when it's ready to throw them out. Maybe a little mushy or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So when I speak about this health-centered muscle building, I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Like, do you think health needs to come first or do you think, you know, that muscle building is just something that exists on its own? I'd love to hear everyone's opinion, especially in this group where you guys are going to be the most educated people in this space. How much does it matter in your ability to build muscle? What does your paradigm think? Like, do people think like this? Or they just go, I just need to work harder than the gym. I'm not getting enough protein. You know, you guys know I get hundreds of thousands of people a week. You say, hey, man, how do I build more muscle? And they're looking for one simple answer. Like, oh, do this workout. And like, I can't in good faith go, hey, man, just do this workout. Or, hey, man, like people go all the time. Hey, man, how do I build my chest? Well, so my belief is if you can build muscle in one place, you can kind of build it in everywhere. So you're doing something right. And then so then it comes down to mechanics. Like you're just not doing the execution correctly. But if you're having a hard time building muscle, losing fat, it's usually not, I mean, maybe it's your training. That's a big piece. That's only one piece of the pie though, right? There's these six other pillars of optimization that we all must pay attention to that if you don't, you're going to fail. So again, I don't want to assume that everybody listened to this podcast in the past, but so what are the pillars, right? And the way that I came up with this kind of by accident is for many years, 20, I was myopically focused on like everyone else in the world. If you want to get big, what does everyone say? You got to train hard. You got to lift heavy, you got to eat more protein, you got to eat more calories, right? That's what everyone says. And that to me is just absolute nonsense. That's not the path, right? I don't need to train hard, I need to train smart and eventually hard, hard matters. But first, it's not just about what I eat or how much I eat, it's what does my body do with what I eat? So is my body in a state to receive and absorb and, and assimilate all this food and protein? Like I need to, I need to create the signal for my body to build muscle. Otherwise, calories are just going in and going wherever the hell they're needed in that moment. If you don't create the demand on the system by creating a stress, they don't respond. So how did I come up with all these pillars? Well, like I said, for so long, I was focused on muscles. I was like, hey, guys, you know, we're going to learn to train. We're going to learn to work hard. We're going to learn mechanics. And I, you know, traveled the world learning from the brightest people in the world. And I always like to give shout outs to those people. And I will in a minute. But then you start looking at, well, what does sleep really matter? Does stress really matter? Does breathing matter? Does your environment matter? What are the things that matter? So I broke it down. And if you think about it like this, you know, there's only really five things that we can impact. Well, six, and these have become my six pillars. So it's how you move, how you think, how you breathe, how you eat, how you sleep. Those are the five. And six, one being the environment in which you do them, right? Those are your six pillars. And those are the things you must pay attention to. So your breathing is absolutely a massive impact on your physiology just like thinking and sleeping and eating and 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 moving are all a huge impact on your physiology and you got to create demands on particular systems to get them to adapt so if i want to improve my ability to breathe i need to create a demand on that system my body will not change if there's no demand to that system so when it comes to movement i need to create very particular demands on the system to get this this system to adapt So if I'm wanting the body to improve its ability to build muscle, well, first I have to have the ability to get into the range of motion. So I have to have the prerequisite mobility. Then I have to be able to stabilize the resistance in that position. 
because muscle contraction is completely governed by stability. If you don't have stability, you don't contract muscles. And the progression from there is then I have to have the skill of exercise. So that's th that progression. But that's where I came up with the stuff is looking at that. So I want to know what everyone's opinion on this. Does this stuff matter to you? And do you think it, it's significant or not? And this is really interesting because it will depend on where you are in your journey, won't it? So this is the things I focus on in, you know, in my coaching and my programs. Now, if any of you, any of you guys use my programs recently, it's very much focused on like, I'm not just going to give you the workout. I'm going to give you all of these other things. You know, not so much focused on, on your environment all that much, although I'm definitely pushing the idea of getting more kind of ancestral exposures. There's a lot of emphasis on sleep. There's a lot of emphasis on breathing. I'm now writing yoga and breathing into my programs in between sets or, or between or at the end of workouts and just a little bit, just to kind of, you know, stick the, the thin end of the wedge in the door for you guys. And I don't want to piss anybody off and overwhelm everybody. Here's my two cents since I get to talk to you. And then as people put in their answers, we can talk about that too. But I mean, I think that people would have a pretty hard time saying that health isn't more important than muscle building or that having a basis of health is the most important thing. But I think saying it and actually doing it and enacting it is a different thing. And your audience is going to be a little bit different because you've got, I mean, you do have like this big meathead bodybuilding community, but you also have a very educated community that cares about the holistic part of it. So like you might have some skewed answers because people who listen to you generally are going to be like, yeah, of course I care about the overall part of it. I think, are we trying to figure out like how much you want to focus on that because people are going to be willing to hear it? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's obvious that that's important, but whether people are ready. And I think that's why I emphasize it as much as I do, Ash. And we've talked yeah. about this before. I have people that come to me and go, Pen, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I want to be a professional bodybuilder or I want to be on a cover of a magazine or I want to be a great athlete. I'm like, okay. And some people say, I'll give them the very simple foundations of, of, of breathe, walk, and meditate. And people go, well, what's the real stuff? That is the real stuff. Like you have to do that stuff every day because if you're not really, really good at it, like if you're not expert in breathing, there's a problem. You, if, you'll never get to high level performance and, and be able to sustain it, right? You might be able to, to cheat like some of us did, like I did, like a, no question, steroids played a role in that. Like st steroids are the ultimate sympathetic override. You can be a massive amount of stress and you take steroids and it'll, it'll shut it down. It'll allow you to continue to build muscle. Is but, that even cheating when everyone's doing it? I don't know. That's a whole other rabbit hole. Well, it's, it's cheating the system. Physiology, I guess. Cheating yeah. the system. Again, right. That's exactly it. Everybody's doing it at some level. Everyone's, yeah. everyone's looking for ways to hack. It's biohacking. It's the original biohacking, right? Like I'm going to take more testosterone than I'm supposed to have. That's, hot, that's biohacking. Maybe that's like the way we need to push it though, is there are some people who are going to be very intelligent and very pragmatic about their approach always and care about health first. Then there's going to be people who don't actually give a shit about health at all. They just want to look good. And then there's people in the middle who are like, kind of like they care about their health, but also if they could take a shortcut, they would. I think what we need to do is start broaching this. Like if you want to just be hot, if you just want to have big muscles, you still need to do this part first or you're yeah. going to collapse well it's it, you're going to collapse and it's going to be harder like people yeah. always go man you know how did you work so hard in your career like i worked way harder than i think i needed to because i was trying to override and overcome all of the negative shit that was going on inside my system so when your brain is in high sympathetic drive you're not building muscle that's the last thing it wants to do so until you come out of that high sympathetic drive it just doesn't build muscle so if i just get out of that state all of a sudden gosh now i'm leaner like i didn't change anything i just got leaner Imagine that, right? So if we look at creating the proper behavior change, the proper psychological and mental environment in your body, all of a sudden your body starts to do what you want, right? 
starts to, it starts to respond in a way that is favorable rather than feeling like you're working against you, right? Maybe I feel like, oh, gosh, I actually enjoy this now rather than always feeling like it's you know, you're running in face first into a brick wall, which a lot of people do, you know, like, oh man, I can't do this. No, you can do it. You're just stressed. You're creating a sympathetic state and your brain defaults in that sympathetic state to this amygdala based primal response of like, I'm going to freak out. Whereas if you can just stay calm and stay in the parasympathetic environment as much as possible when you're not training, those things are just so much less likely to happen. And I'm noticing it now being at home, everyone talking about putting on the Corona 15, like some people eat more when they're stressed and some people don't, right? Some people just don't eat at all. And some people eat more. And I'm just hyper aware of like my signals. I'm like, oh, I see what you're doing there. Like you don't need to eat, but you want to, but just, you know, pay attention to it and you can change it. So if you learn to just, and I think Rebecca asked this the last question last week, was this idea of, you know, I, I create an awareness around the signal that I have. What's this thing that's telling me I need to do this activity, right? So I'm walking through my house or I'm walking in wherever, and I become aware of my desire to actually walk into your basement and get pissed off that you have to train at home. Become aware of that and then anchor the behavior that you want to change. So what do I want? Well, I want to be happy. Okay, well, how do I become happy? I want to, I want to be able to appreciate this. Maybe I just create a gratitude practice and go, fuck, thank you. Thank you. And then you celebrate, right? So this concept of like, find some way to go, God, I'm so grateful for this. And like, look, I've got this amazing house that I'm, I'm able to live in. It's a country that's safe. And man, people in India can't leave their house. People in Australia, it looks like it's going to be landlocked for 12 months. There's so many things we can be grateful for. But anyways, mm -hmm. Bobby, you're asking a question here. I don't exactly get it. Ash, can you see if you can, you can read that and make sense of it? I'm going to move on to a different question when we do that. It's uh, Bobby um, and right? It's at 202. It came through. There's lots of people asking questions here. Hold on. Oh learned over the last 18 months, stress and sleep are way more important to get right first before we think about training, looking at HRV and health markers like blood pressure, and then looking at building a client's aerobic base. I track clients HRV and morning resting heart rate. This is a big question. If I have a client with a high resting heart rate, yeah, I mean, this is kind of specific. Do you want to get into this? Yeah, I don't mind. If, if you can make sense of it, do so. I'm gonna, while you read it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak of some other things. So when we speak of markers of health, Guys, and you know, this, you know, objectifying health is important. It's very, very complex. So when I do this health-centered coaching, I think it's important that you guys start to understand what does that look like? What does it mean to optimize my health before I go into training? Right. So I think the foundational thing is looking at I can walk into an ice bath, I can walk into a 120-degree sauna or 220-degree sauna, and based on where my physiology is. In that exact moment and how responsive and adaptable it is to that stress is extremely important so two different people can walk into the same let's call it we're both walking into a ice bath and someone who has a very very poor autonomic nervous system a very hyper aroused nervous system so they have high amounts of cortisol high amounts of muscle tone high resting heart rate high respiration rate that person is going to respond very differently to that stress. In fact, it's going to be a huge amount of stress. These are the type of people who say, I can't do that. I can't meditate. I can't, I, I panic. I can't, like, I, I feel it's too much. So you can know by default, that person has a high amount of sympathetic arousal. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It may be this reality that they're born that way. Maybe some people have just a high amount of sympathetic arousal, high amount of dopamine genetically. That's actually. And some people, on the other hand, are very parasympathetic genetically, and they can handle these more stressful situations way more resiliently, but you can train this. That's the beauty of it, right? So those markers we're looking at is this autonomic response. Like what, what does it feel like when I get subjected to distress? Do I panic and go into anxiety? You don't have anxiety. You get anxiety, change it, right? I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm not sympathetic because I am empathetic, sympathetic. 
But I also want to empower you guys to realize that you can just change that shit. It's all about your physiological response. You just have to gain control, conscious control over the autonomic nervous system. And it's possible through your breath, your respiration rate, your CO2 tolerance, and getting your heart rate down. It can do it in seconds if you train it. You could train yourself to fall asleep in seconds. These are things you guys should be looking at. If you can't do these things, think about what is, what is exercise? Exercise is stress. Exercise is just like, you know, it's the same different, obviously, but the same idea, same things happening in your nervous system as if you just jumped into a cold plunge. You're creating systemic stress to different systems, maybe, but you're creating systemic stress. So if you're someone who can only go and stick your big toe into the really cold water, well, that's exactly what's going to happen when you try to go in the gym. You're just going to barely be able to stick your big toe into those really hard sets, right? If you're someone who can dive head first into the cold water, well, when you get into the gym, you're going to be able to dive head first and go way further into that stress state and not feel like you're hugely stressed. Right? You're going to be able to feel like, oh, it wasn't so bad. I feel pretty good. I'm going to do it again. Oh, and now I guess who's going to get better results? It kind of seems like Bobby's asking. He's saying that when he has clients, I think it's kind of similar to what you were just explaining, but he has clients who have really high resting heart rates that he puts them on a like four to six week program of low intensity, steady state, you know, at a heart rate of like 120 to 140. Saying so he's just you're doing low intensity, steady state, Bobby, or are you doing low intensity interval stuff? So Again, both are useful. I think that the benefit of doing low intensity interval training is this conscious control. So to get the fastest adaptation to the aerobic system, you actually want to be anaerobic. You actually want to do more high intensity stuff. So that gives us that benefit. So it's getting up and then and coming down. But the real benefit lies in being able to consciously control, bring that breath rate back down, which is control of the autonomic nervous system. So these people who typically have poor aerobic health obviously don't have good aerobic control or autonomic control. So we want to train that in them. So yeah, so maybe one of the things that you would recommend in very general terms, because this is general, is in, is in addition to just low intensity or kind of movement-based walking and stuff, which is important for everybody, to also within that consider the actual breathing that they're doing while they're doing it. So it's not just like go for a walk, but try to go for a walk and keep your mouth shut and that kind of stuff. Well, the first thing is create the behavior, right? So let's just walk. And then at some point they're gonna be like, oh, I didn't want to do it. I was bored. I was, you know, it was easy. Great. Now let's introduce a new level of, of challenge to you. Cause I think, and again, I'm not an expert in this. Actually, the lady we had on Karen the other day was, was actually an expert in behavior. I didn't realize. I think human beings unconsciously crave progress and challenge. So if someone, if someone does something and it's easy, like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Like what, give me, so if you're always just kind of chasing the carrot, you're dangling the carrot, like that next level of complexity or next level of challenge, and they feel like at the end of it, they've done something challenging. You get that endorphin dopamine response. I think that's really powerful. So, you know, I'll never usually just introduce, hey, just go do or for cardio, maybe like, hey, three or four days just to show me you can do it. Yeah. Right. Because not everyone will do it. If I, if I prescribe cardio for four days in a row, everyone will go, oh, I did it once. And like, well, why? So I can't add another layer on top of that. Right. I can't stack on top of that until you've done the, the task. And then once I, once I know, okay, well, you, you've proven to me you're going to do that. Now let's do this. Right. And this is the way I coach everybody is like, I start coaching people like, what do you mean? You just want me to breathe, walk and meditate? Yes. I just want you to breathe, walk and meditate. And I want you to tell me in three days and in seven days that you did every single day. And if you didn't, I can't progress. Right. So I need you to say that you've made a commitment to doing this and we make everybody sign a contract. You make a commitment, you do it. And if you, if you don't have time, then we talk about that in the beginning. Like, right, I'm not going to be able to make time to do those things. We can actually make all of those things work together, breathe, walk and meditate at the same time. But listen, that, that's the foundation of it. And then we start stacking on top of that. Okay, let's make breathing complex. Let's let's like meditation complex, right? Let's make walking a little harder. Find ways to, to make it more challenging or make it more meditative, right? There's so many things we can do to progress. What do you think about microwaving food? 
I'm not an expert. I don't have a microwave in my house. I move in and I, or I throw them away. I don't have a microwave in my house. You believe enough to know that it's not the ideal way to be heating your food because you don't have one. Right. Yeah. I'm of the mentality that if I don't need it, I'm going to remove it. Just like gluten, right? Like, do I know that gluten's bad? Not for everybody. Gluten's never useful. But some people can eat gluten, right? Fine. Mm-hmm. Is it gonna, any way going to help you? No. So throw it away. Mm-hmm. Same thing with microwaves, right? It's like, is in any way this is going to help me? Well, no. Like, I, I can warm up food just as fast in, so what I use is a super wave oven. Like, get that. It's a yeah. glass infrared thing. It sits on your counter. It takes as much space or less than a microwave. Uh, about the same as a microwave now. And it's fast, just as fast. And there's no, no microwave radiation. You have one? I have one. Yeah. I mean, I don't generally use it because I'm, especially in quarantine too, one of the things I've been doing is just making literally every one of my meals from scratch. Like I don't, I'm not like having stuff in the fridge and I have to find a way to reheat them. I'm literally, when I can, you know, obviously I'm making like a couple meals in advance, but yeah. All right. We got a great question here from Cloyce. I like this one. I am as optimized at Everett 48, but I cannot fully commit to either longevity of muscle building or muscle building. Maybe. Mm-hmm. the best of both worlds, what to do. Dude, why do they have to be separate, right? So I get that argument because I've gone through it in my mind. And I think this this conversation between like fasting being such a big part of longevity, you should always be fasting, maybe. But during the window that you're eating, so if longevity is your objective, I'm guessing you're referring to fasting and the, this reality that if you're trying to build mass, fasting isn't really conducive to that in most cases. But this reality that while you're fasting, fast, you know, that's going to allow your body to undergo autophagy and sell your senescence and all those wonderful things for longevity. But while you're eating or while, during your, your non-fasting window, make sure you're getting enough calories, right? Make sure you're getting enough protein. And I think as long as you're able to train hard, that would always be my acid test choice. It's like, can I maintain certain markers of performance in the gym? It's what I do now, right? Like, I'm not trying to get bigger. Like, I just want to feel awesome, look awesome and be able to perform and run and jump and not tear shit. As I get older, that's it. And, you know, I want to be able to be strong. So can I can I squat four or five plates? Can I bench press three, four plates? Like, that's it. Like, I, I mean, is that a lot for most people? Yeah, it's huge. But again, that's, I have these like benchmarks. And I'm like, okay, as long as I can do this, then my my diet will revolve around my lifestyle. So if I fast for a couple of days, great. Will I be able to do the, the five plate squat then? No, but at least I know I can still do four. And then I'll eat for a few days and I'll be back up to five. You know, it's like, Kind of giving yourself this this window or range of what's expected of you. You do the same for your physique. It's like, yeah. am I always walking around at 10% body fat? No. But if I see myself, like if I know I'm going to train consistently for two or three weeks, I know I'm going to come back down to 10%. I can do it like that or under. And if I'm not training, I'm training once or twice a week, well, I know I'm probably going to go up to 14 or 15 or even more sometimes. And like, okay, stop, train. Like you need to introduce this. You have this range, right? And that's kind of how I, how I, I frame it. So what is your standard of acceptable behavior, I guess, or acceptable, what's your acceptable standard? Yeah. And everything, right. Create, create a, a window for yourself. I do this with all my competitive clients as well. So females tend to blow up, not all, but some tend to blow up after a contest. So if I say, Hey, your, your competitive stage weight is 135. Your max off season weight is 145. You're done. If you get to 145, we put on some governors. That's it. Just create limitations for yourself, create guardrails, right? So Close. your answer is, man, fast. Be as, you know, depending where you are, right? First, find your optimal body composition. If you want to be leaner, train hard, do your aerobic stuff, make sure you have the, the proper aerobic markers, make sure you have your health markers, HRV, all those things in place. Once that's in place, the body will fall into place much faster, I promise. And those are way more correlated with longevity anyways, right? 
Yeah. I like that. I like that approach in general too, because I think it goes back to things we talk about a lot in the podcast around resiliency and even around things like metabolic flexibility. People tend to like to look at things like black or white. We've had this conversation before, like, do you train for longevity or do you train for performance? And most things are not black and white. And I think being able to have these sort of boundaries and these areas you can kind of go within and be focusing on both is important for people to know because people get paralyzed and think if I can't do this one thing perfectly, I'm just not going to do it at all, which isn't the right approach. Yeah. I like this question. Yeah. Listen, I'm not an expert. Ben Greenfield talked a little bit about it on our podcast. So, you know, your primary one you're looking at is C-reactive protein, like interleukins, IL-6 and and C-reactive proteins are going to be your kind of top markers. I'm not an expert. I'm not going to talk to it because if you guys want to learn about this stuff, I'm going to bring an expert on to talk about it on the podcast. And the the reason I do that, there's a guy actually, if you guys, if anyone actually really gives a hoot about this, Dr. Alice Vasquez is the man when it comes to inflammation. He actually wrote a book called Inflammation Mastery, which will probably take you the next 30 years to read. So the reason I do this is because I I find that I've done this in the past, very guilty, and many people do this, and it's, it's, I think it's a bad idea, is when you look at inflammation, like I just did, I said, hey, these two things are the most important. That's not true, right? There's this wheel of things that are involved in inflammation, and I'm not familiar with every one. So for me to say, hey, what should you be tracking as markers? Maybe those two being the best, like your interleukins and your uh, CRP. But maybe there's other things like B vitamins, or maybe there's other things like antioxidant levels, and maybe there's other things like insulin resistance that you should be looking at. And for me to ignorantly say, hey, just focus on this one. I'm doing my best not to do that. So all of those things go into it, man. Like optimization of everything. And the crazy thing about inflammation is there's a massive correlation between breathing and inflammation that people don't acknowledge. So when your body becomes more acidic because you're producing CO2 and it doesn't buffer the CO2, your buffering capacity isn't adequate, your inflammation marker is going to go up. So your ability to, to tolerate CO2 is hugely is a huge consideration here in inflammation. Electrolytes are a consideration. Magnesium is a consideration. Autonomic tone is a consideration. There's, there's a list of things you know a mile long that are also very relevant to inflammation. We've got a question back up here, Rebecca asking about, I have actually have heard about this before, people who have adverse reactions to collagen. Have you ever heard of anybody having negative reaction to supplementing collagen? What was the reaction? I, I have to, I'll have to go back because I don't really want to speak to it, but it was an older gentleman who I believe maybe had some cardiovascular issues and he, he was having something where whenever he put collagen in his coffee, it was like an unpleasant, it wasn't constipation, which is what Rebecca's speaking to, but I think it does happen with some people, but I would have to think it's pretty rare. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So guys, a few other things to talk about before we wrap. What I'd like to know from you is how we can help. And if you're not already part of the Muscle Intelligence Community on Facebook, jump in there. And we've got more people coming in all the time. Just hit 11,000 people. And it's a great group that's growing really quickly and all around this altruistic desire to be our greatest self, right? So I spent a lot of time over the last few weeks kind of exploring my my why, my mission in life. And what I'm really coming to is my contribution to this world is I have a almost neurotic or obsessed desire to understand a process, understand the path. So the reason I became successful at bodybuilding, even though everyone in the world would have bet against me, is because I started to look at the big picture. I started to look at the process and decode it. And I could take a look at what was useful and take a look at what wasn't and keep moving on and taking the things that I could apply 
apply it and keep going and then start stacking on top of that. And that's really what the foundation of this podcast is, right? I've spent a lot of time just shining light on one thing. It was muscle building and I became very good at that. And I started to understand the process. And now I'm, I'm starting to look at all these other health optimization things. And that really is where we kind of cut our teeth in this podcast is like putting the missing pieces together for you when most people tend to take the spotlight out and they, they use a laser pointer and they shine on one thing. We're doing our best to take out the, the spotlight and shine it on more things for you to teach you the path so that you can just take the information and apply it to your life. That's really what this is about. And you know that's why I started this podcast because I really wanted to understand things at a deeper level and teach things at a deeper level, right? The more, the more I get to teach, the more I get to understand your issues, concerns, and limitations, and we can help to address them. So I've been super blessed for this, guys. And I think that's where I kind of fit into this world is my brain likes to see how all things fit together. And I'm now doing it for business, right? I'm doing it for developing my business and other people's business. I'm looking at, I'm really good at seeing all the things that fall in between the cracks that people tend to miss. And that's what allowed me to succeed as, as a bodybuilder, has allowed me to succeed in business, and hopefully now in mentoring people to achieve their greatest life, is looking at all those things that everyone tends to not see and not being biased toward anything, not being attached to one particular thing, which most people do, right? If, if you're a vegan, that's the way to do it. You know, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I think that's something you guys should all be wary of. It doesn't need to be that way. You should all be, be capable of slowing down, taking a breath, stepping back and going, is this, is my belief serving me or is it preventing me from progressing? So objectively and subjectively assess your life as much as possible and say like, do my beliefs allow me to create my greatest life or are my beliefs maybe the very thing holding me back so during this time of exploration and self-discovery we all are so blessed to endure ask yourself that as you walk through your day and as you experience these beliefs that rear up whether it be other people not meeting your expectations or your life not meeting your expectations or something that's happening right now, you go, hey, you know, I don't like this. Well, explore your beliefs or explore your beliefs on why you must do certain things or why you can't do certain things or why you hate certain things, quote unquote, or why you have to do certain things. Explore every one of those disempowering beliefs or disempowering statements and at least start to ask yourself, is this true? And is this serving me, right? Is it serving me? And is it allowing me to create my greatest life? And if it's not, you must know that you can change it. I'm here to support you to know that you can change it. We have the processes, we have the people, and we can walk you through it. We have the support team. And that's what the Muslim Intelligence Community is here to do, support each and every one of you guys through this challenging part of our lives. And guess what? It's not going to get any easier. It's going to get easier for a time. And guess what? It's going to get harder again. It's going to get easier. It's going to get harder again. Everyone thinks when the sun is out, that it's the most perfect day. But when, the, when it's raining out, it's a terrible day. But guess what? Every day is a great day. Every day. If you just perceive it that way. So shift your focus and realize the opportunity right now is to grow, is to challenge your beliefs and to expand your skill set to ultimately create a greater life. This is such an amazing opportunity for every one of us. Is it stressful? Yes. Good. I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more resilient. I'm learning new skills. I'm learning how to adapt to this BS that's going on in my life. I'm learning how to adapt to this faster heart rate, this faster breathing rate. Good. It forces me to get better, right? Unless we, we, when we get exposed to stress, we're never forced to adapt, right? If we're not put in front of an obstacle or a challenge, we never develop the skills to overcome it. So I think every one of you guys should take the time to acknowledge right now 
this is your greatest opportunity. I don't care how long this lasts, and neither should you. Your day is today. You wake up right now and go, am I doing everything in this exact moment to live my greatness? What am I here to do? Who am I here to impact? And is the very thing I'm doing right now contributing to my greatness, to my greatest life in this moment? And I'm not depressed thinking about the past. I'm not anxious thinking about the future. I'm focusing on this moment saying, what, am, what can I do today? What can I do in the next hour that is going to allow me to have my greatest life now and for the next five years, 10 years, 50 years? Because you don't know how long you're going to be here, but we can certainly put in our greatest contribution to the world now. And that always lies in helping each other, helping humanity, and leaving this world better than we found it. And that's one of the only rules in my house, I think. One of the only rules in my house is leave this place better than you found it. And that's in your, in your home. That's in your life. That's in other people's homes. That's in this universe. Leave it better than you found it, guys. And I'm so grateful for you being here. Ash, thank you for being here. Anything you want to add? Well, do you want to talk about the show sponsor, which is uh, your favorite beverage, aka olive oil? <laughs> so, drink um, it with water. That's it's your. Not, it's, it's not. It's not funny, actually. I think I have a problem. Yeah, I, I, started, I started to panic because I only have like six bottles left. I'm like, what am I going to do when it all comes? Cut down to half a liter a day. I don't know wow. if you can do it. Well. Olive oil is definitely a foundation of every meal, and people think I'm out of my mind until they try it. I think I eat food to consume olive oil. Yeah. And I'm, so I told you I'm doing a bit of an experiment. So every few months, I'll do some testing to determine kind of the, the composition of my fat cells. So I'm seeing if I can shift it. So whereas in the past, I may have been made of peanut butter. Now I'll be made of olive oil. I'm still made of peanut butter. Yeah. Right. Good. Okay. At least one of us. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're friends. Delicious. Yeah. I hope I hope I don't change because I'm out of middle of olive oil. Hopefully we can still have our amazing yeah, we'll be all right. friendship. Yep. yep. Wonderful. You didn't finish the thought. You didn't finish the thought. What's your favorite olive oh. oil? Tell people. Yeah. What's my what? Favorite olive oil? Yeah. What's your favorite olive oil? Well, they're all my favorite. So it's it's pretty awesome to And where can people get them? It's pretty awesome to get olive oil from. So the one I'm consuming now, I've got one from Portugal and one from Spain. I think one from Italy, but I finished that one really quickly. The previous round was from Australia, which is incredible. Fun. I think the next one is coming from Chile. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. And, and I mean, the richness, the pepperiness, like one cool thing that either we'll have released before this podcast or right after we got TJ, the founder of Fresh Press Olive Oil on the podcast to talk about, and you know, that was probably my Christmas morning, right? I got to talk to the guy who's, who's curating all this stuff for me, but it's, it's really interesting to understand the guy's story around why he decided to start an olive oil company, like who starts an olive oil company, but it's such a gift to be able to experience, you know, something that should be a luxury only available to people in very small villages in Italy and Spain and Chile and these, these wonderful places. And we're, we're able to experience something not only that typically would only be restricted to them, but within 30 days of pressing it, like they literally pick it, press it, send it, and it's at your door within 30 days. I think Leslie says sometimes, which is absolutely phenomenal. And you can, you can just taste the freshness. If you've never had real olive oil before, yeah. It's going to blow your mind. The level, <laughs> level that he goes to, to research and yeah. understand and get the best stuff. And then the sheer amount of information he puts out there. So if you are a nutrition nerd and you actually want to know every single thing about why olive oil is the healthiest, like their website, all the stuff they're sending out constantly, it's like an insane amount of information to nerd out on. And yeah, I, I think it's the new wine, right? Like for so long, everyone's so obsessed with red wine. And like, I, I think red wine is amazing too. It's, it's something else I consume on a regular basis. Yeah. But olive oil is just such an amazing addition to your food. So for all of us who are 
aiming to live our greatest life, sometimes food prep can be a big challenge, can it? And, and sometimes like, I wanna make this taste good, I wanna make it extravagant. But really what I realize, and I'm sure you get this, Ash, is, is high quality ingredients is the key to high quality dishes, right? So if you have just a few super high quality ingredients, and that's you know like the meat we get from Belcampo and olive oil, that's literally what I eat every day. What I'm looking for is a really good local biodynamic vegetable farmer, right? And I might just start growing my own, but I really want to find like great herbs and great spices. So I also got Anya's book from Belcampo and I want to start making that because she's got some amazing olive oil recipes in there as well. Anyway, guys, Fresh Press Olive Oil is the sponsor of the podcast. And I think the fact that we're talking about this means you can go now to getfresh35, getfresh35.com and get a bottle for a buck, which is awesome. Unfortunately, they only, they only ship to the US. So I know we have some Canadians on here, but maybe I'll smuggle a case back for you guys and ship it out. Yeah, or, or maybe we should ask TJ to like, maybe there's some way to distribute it. I mean, it, it's such an awesome thing that it would suck that if people in Canada can't get it. And honestly, guys, I go to those olive oil stores as well. It's not the same. It's good. It's very good, but it's not the same. It's a new level, right? It's just a slightly higher level. Not yeah. slightly. It's a significantly higher level. You can get those. There's definitely olive oil stores. You can kind of pick it. And what you, if you ask when this is pressed, they don't know. Or it's usually 12 months ago or six months ago minimum. And that's it's still better than what you're going to get at a grocery store, but this is just a whole new experience. It's just phenomenal. And if you want to learn more about olive oil, I'll listen to the podcast we did with TJ, who's the owner and the olive oil hunter is what we call him, or he calls himself. And he just travels the world finding the greatest farms to curate olive oil for us. It's very cool. Get right. three, five. Get the number three, the number five. Do it. One dollar. They're hooking you guys up only in the U.S. Sorry, Canadians and wherever else everyone is. We have one more question. I don't want to miss it because Joe's been sitting there for a minute. I have a year's worth of training, which I've done in the past, which is great success. Training 50 in a week, contemplating your keto training to lean out while maintaining muscle currently 510, 183 with 15% body fat. Would you recommend that program or one of your other programs? Joe, my infamous quote is, it's not about what you do, it's how you do it. And any program can be effective for you if executed with accuracy, precision, and ultimately intelligence. So become present, learn how to challenge muscles, foundation. So then therefore, yes, if the keto pro or if a ketogenic diet is something you're looking at doing, this is a good way to train because there is a different energetic requirement or different energetic state in the body when you're doing keto. You can't be doing typical metabolic fat-based workouts. So the keto workout is mostly neurological in nature, mostly neurological and, and hypertrophy based in nature, not a whole lot of dense workouts. Like we're not doing a whole bunch of like, you know, supersets, giant sets and drop sets, which most people would associate with fat loss. Why? Because you don't have the carbohydrate to support the stress. So that type of training is going to increase stress a lot. It's creating a lot of muscle damage, a lot of inflammation, a lot of metabolic stress, right? We're producing a lot of oxygen, a lot of oxidative stress. So that type of training requires carbohydrate to one, recover, two, modulate stress. When you don't have carbohydrate, you have to do things to be considerate of how much stress you actually producing. So this type of training is not meant to burn the fat off. It's not meant to, you know, what people would normally associate with, like I got to metabolically crush myself and be laying on the floor at the end of this workout. Not going to happen. This workout's meant to be strength-based, hypertrophy-based with the proper rest periods and the proper progression because realizing there is a progression built over six weeks. Actually, it's over six months in that program. We built it out over, I think, nine months total. You could, you could do the whole thing for nine months through. And every month is a different type of workout, but all kind of building on itself. So your body's adapting in new ways. 
So that is a good program if you're going to do a ketogenic diet. If you're not going to do a ketogenic diet, that program would not be the one I would recommend. If you're doing with a carbohydrate based, you want to do something that's slightly more dense, slightly more metabolic, so your body's burning through those carbohydrate. But that being said, that ketogenic muscle building program is an amazing way to work that. So what we've done is we've stacked some low intensity interval training, some high intensity interval training, and some steady state cardio as kind of your foundational training to establish that aerobic optimization so your body burns more fat at rest. You optimize the aerobic system, you get your VO2 max higher, your body burns more fat at rest. That's how that works. Sorry, this sun is shining my. You've got another live in a few minutes. <laughs> so 10 you minutes. You guys yeah. can be on here again? Honestly, <laughs> so kidding aside, anyone on here right now who has a business, period, listen to this podcast. If you're interested in health optimization, this is an amazing, amazing guest. Matt Gallant is one guy that I look up to more than anyone in the whole world. And most people haven't heard of him. He's been on the podcast before with his muscle expert. And he's just a brilliant, brilliant man. So 10 minutes from now. And the awesome thing about these lives is that you get to be a part of it and ask questions instead of, I mean, the podcast is great. You download it, you listen to it while you're doing whatever. But this way, you get to actually be a part of the conversation and ask these people, experts like Ben and guests, questions and be a part of it. So you can get on it. That's the ideal way to do it. All right, Ash. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for being here. We appreciate your time. We know that it's a busy, busy time. We know it's a busy world and everyone's vying for your time and attention. You chose to be here with us. So thank you so much. If you're the type of person who also wants to help other people who wants to change the world, share this podcast with at least one person you know and love and head over to iTunes and now called Apple Podcasts, I hear. Leave us a five-star review because it definitely does drive the show and we want to spread this amazing message and don't forget to join the Muscle Intelligence community. If you want to connect with myself, Ashley, and all the other amazing people in there. Have a great day. Thank you so much for tuning in to Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Bikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.